Hi, I'm Carmen LaBurge. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBurge. Encouraging you to live as an ambassador of God's kingdom in the world. This is Mornings with Carmen LaBurge on Faith Radio. If we're gonna fly, we fly like eagles, arms now wide. If we're gonna fear, we fear no evil. We will rise by your power. We will go by your spirit. We are bold. If we're gonna stand, we stand as giants. If we're gonna walk, we walk as lions. Well, good morning. Good morning. This is hour two of Mornings with Carmen on the Faith Radio Network. If you missed hour one, you're going to want to go back and listen to it. You're going to be equipped for everyday prayers for the school year. You're going to, um, well, you're going to get to consider whether or not in God we trust um, is something that we ought to be making public school classes uh, post on the walls. And if so, not only is who going to pay for it, but uh, in what language is it going to be read? There you go. Lots of uh, lots of interesting things in hour one. This is hour two. Woohoo for hour two. Um, I'm curious. Are you a collector? Do you collect things? And if so, what do you collect? Yeah, I um I would like to collect a list of the collectors who are listening right now and what they collect. And so you can text me 877-933-2484 if you collect something. I want to know what it is. Do you collect stamps? Do you collect cars? Do you I don't know. What do you collect? So here are a few um, collectors' uh, headlines from over the weekend. Apparently, white gold is the new steal for collectors of Rolex watches. I don't know. People collecting Rolex watches, that seems a little frivolous. All right. Paul Allen was a billionaire, and he was an art collector. And Christie's is now predicting that the single-owner sale of his collection is going to be the biggest in history. There you go. Um, He's dead, and so his art is for sale. Uh, There is a mint condition Mickey Mantle baseball card that sold for $12.6 million yesterday. Uh, That has entered the record books as the most ever paid for sports memorabilia. Do you collect baseball cards? Do you have a mint condition Mickey Mantle? (laughs) If so, well, I just got to say, you know, that $12.6 million that you could sell your card for, you could then tithe on that and you could really fund great ministry. We're having a fall fundraiser in a couple of weeks, so that's something to think about. Princess Diana's unique black Ford Escort brought $850,000 at auction last week. By the way, a Ford Escort, not actually worth that much. So um, that's going on. One man's trash is another man's treasure. The New York Times had a uh, feature-length article about hoarding and the help that we should get if we have become hoarders because someone else is going to have to deal with all the junk you collected when you die. There you go. What happens to all that stuff when you die? So someone um, someone who's been collecting their whole life and doesn't have a plan for where it will go, well, here's an article out of Texas that is talking about a house that was um, abandoned in a uh, after the death of the individual who owned it, and it was bought at auction for less than $200,000, and guess what? It was stuffed full, stuffed full of valuable collectibles, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. collected over time. So what is the um, my biblical hook for all of this? Well, Jesus says in Matthew 6, don't lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and thieves can break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where, the, where thieves cannot break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. 
or maybe the parable of the rich fool recorded in Luke 12, um, 13 to 21, where he talks about, you know, uh, loading up your barns full of stuff and being sure that, you know, you got bigger, bigger barns to keep putting more and more stuff in, you know, all kinds of grain. And then uh, God says, hey, you fool, this night your life is going to be demanded of you. Um, And who will get what you have prepared for yourself? Like, don't store up things for yourself. Like, be rich toward God. Now, this is not a condemnation of those of you who are collectors, because I did ask, what are you collecting? Um, Anne says she collects bookmarks. Um, Jennifer says I used to collect pictures. Um, uh, All right, on and on and on. Well, yeah, I'm collecting people. I'm a fisher of men. Yeah, there you go. You sort of got the point. Thank you uh, for your text this morning on collecting. We're going to talk to Dr. Linda Mental here in just a moment, and she is going to help us reach our goals and motivate ourselves. I don't know about you. I could use a little, well, proverbial kick in the pants. So Dr. Linda is going to give it to us up next here on Mornings with Carmen. Dr. Linda Mental is back with us today. You can find her at the Dr. Linda Mental Show. You can also find her at drlindamental.com. Good morning, Linda. Good morning and happy not yet fall. <laughs> oh, gosh, it is. I don't know about you. But I, oh, I walked outside this morning and I thought to myself, okay, is there a dew point? Because if so, we did not reach it. Like, <laughs> it, it's, ugh, yeah, okay. So um, seven ways to reach your goals, and motivate yourself. Um, This is, first of all, really, really helpful. And I really want to deliberately walk through this this morning. I have a goal I would like to reach. It's pretty much um, a goal that I continuously set and for whatever reason have not successfully achieved. So help me reach my goal and motivate myself. Well, I don't think you're alone. Obviously, that's one of the reasons we're talking about this. I have two that I continuously work on as well. And I know what the principles are for doing this, and I know where the where I'm getting stuck every time. Um, I'm just not making the change. But this is a good time to be talking about this as we're sort of launching into getting close to the time of the year where people feel somewhat more motivated. It's interesting, Carmen, that I always write something at the beginning of the new year about getting motivated, getting your goals. But Actually, the research shows that people are much more motivated to make changes when the seasons change. So when the fall comes in, I think there's something psychological about us all going, okay, we had all those years of conditioning ourselves. We get our new backpacks. We get our new pencils. We're ready for our school. You know, we're, try- we're like, okay, now it's time. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to really do well this year. And so this is a great time just psychologically, emotionally, we've sort of got that conditioning in us. Okay, what is it we want to do? We're going to do something different. And uh, this was also, this piece was also motivated, I have to tell you, because I, I went to the doctor and I had my annual physical. <laughs> and uh, I love it when they always say, you know, you need to lose a little weight. And, oh, gosh, um, I have such a story. More. I have <laughs> like, such a, no. I have such an annual physical story. Can I tell you really quickly? Sure. Yeah. Okay. So I have a very direct, she's super direct, which I appreciate. Mm-hmm. So 
Um, she looks at this thing on my neck. She's like, I don't like the look of that. So she's like, I'm going to refer you to a dermatologist, which, by the way, has been cut off. And I'm now waiting for, you know, like waiting for that. Um, so that's that's one part of this conversation. But the other part is she goes, I'm not concerned that it's cancer. I'm like, OK, why? And she goes, well, because there would be an unexplained weight loss. And then she waves her hands at me and goes, clearly, that's not happening. <laughs> Well, mine was, mine was so cute. She, I really, this, this young woman who was really great, um, she was so cute. She was like, you know, you need to exercise more. And I'm like thinking, I teach medical students this. I know exactly what I'm supposed to be yeah, doing. This is not a knowledge gap. Yeah, this is not medical knowledge. Right. So, and that's the issue for most of us, right? We know what to do. And so I'm kind of laughing and thinking, okay, how do I teach medical students to motivate their patients? I know all about this. So uh, one of the things, though, that is really helpful was to think about this whole idea of having a goal that is an approach goal versus an avoidance goal. And so this comes mm. out of the work of Dr. Fishbach, who is at a social, uh, social psychologist who has written a book called Get It Done, which I love that title, just get it done. I'm, not, I'm having trouble getting it done, so I, I needed to look at that again. But her whole uh, focus here is that when you have a goal that's approach, so having a goal of I'm going to start to exercise more regularly is a better goal than, and this is what my goal was, get up off the computer and start moving. So the second, that one is a, an avoidance goal, like stop doing something. Mm. Don't do that. You know, like stop smoking, stop uh, whatever your, your habit is that you want to change versus what is it I actually want to do? And one of the things I do want to do, there are two. One is read my Bible more often. And the second one is get up and move more often and get more exercise since I'm, I'm so stuck to a computer most of the day. So those are called approach goals. And the reason that those are better is that when we try to avoid something and tell ourselves we can't do it, the brain says, oh, focus on that. <laughs> you know, so you're focused on what I can't do. And that obviously isn't great for motivating you. So when you say to the, yourself, let me do this, which is an, something that you want to approach, like take a walk or get up and move or, you know, do something uh, physical like play tennis or do something, that approach goal is better for the brain because you're going to focus on that and then you're going to probably have more success doing it. And I think a lot of us do those avoidance goals, like don't eat that, you know, don't do that. Oh, you, you can't have that. And the more you want it, there's a little saying we have in, in therapy where we say, the more you resist, the more it will persist. Mm -hmm. So in that case, in terms of goals, now there's a lot of things we need to resist in our life. But in terms of those goals, that is a useful mindset is to switch it from an avoidance goal to an approach goal. All right, we're going to continue this conversation with Dr. Linda Mental in just a moment. Um, we're going to set better goals um, to motivate ourselves. What might your better goal be? What could be your approach goal? What do you want to start doing instead of just making a list of things that you know you need to stop doing? What does that look like? And then how do we move forward? We're going to continue this conversation about ways to reach our goals and motivate ourselves with Dr. Linda Mental in just a moment. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. Thanks so much for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen. As you know, this is a rebroadcast of the live radio show we do on the Faith Radio Network every day. There is a lot going on at Faith Radio. Tons of free resources waiting for you to take advantage of and share with others at MyFaithRadio.com. Be sure to check us out on social media as well. 
Um, This is a community of believers, and we gather together here, and we all need prayer. And, well, we'd love to pray for you. The Faith Radio team is serious about prayer. We pray for specific requests every single week when we gather on Tuesdays and Thursdays as a staff. So share your prayer request with us anonymously and securely on our website at MyFaithRadio.com, and then be assured of our prayers for you in the Spirit of Christ. Check it all out at MyFaithRadio.com. Dr. Linda, Dr. Linda Mental is here. You can find what we're talking about at drlindamental.com. We're talking about ways to reach your goals and motivate yourself. You could also obviously turn this into a conversation with somebody else who um, has been struggling to reach goals or be motivated. If you're a parent with kids going back to school, this obviously is applicable there as well in terms of encouragement. So, um, Linda, we've talked about we need to set an approach goal, not an avoidance goal. Um, and we're going to monitor our progress. I think that one is is good. We're going to focus on the goal itself, not the means to the goal. But talk with us about the next one. Have fewer incentives to reach your goal. That seems counterintuitive. It does. And when I was looking at that data, I thought, why would we say that? And apparently it's because the brain gets too confused with too many incentives. So we have too much going on and then we lose focus and all of that. And and it isn't something that we've really thought about. So here's the issue with motivating anybody to anything. First, it has to be important to the person. So when you're thinking about your kids, you might have a goal for your child, but your children may have their own ideas. And it's really important when someone's trying to change to get at what they feel is important and what they think they can focus on, because that will help with the success of the goal. And the other thing is you have to be confident that you can get there. So one of the things that we do is we set these incentives as a way of kind of helping us. But really, uh, those incentives really need to come on an intermittent level. So a lot of times when I was working with with parents and children back in the day and we were trying to get kids motivated to do things, the parent would reinforce the child every single time they did something. And that isn't a bad strategy when you're first starting to get a child to develop a new habit. But after a while, it's one of those goals that we say, uh, those reinforcement strategies that are really easily uh, helps the kid give up because the first time then you don't get it, you stop doing it. So really, it's better with reinforcement to make it intermittent every once in a while, every once in a while, or maybe a certain time frame that's unpredictable so that the person will continue to work for it. I mean, it's kind of like the concept of the lottery, which I'm not endorsing, but I'm just going to use that example, is that you don't know. You buy a ticket. You don't know if you're going to win or not. So you keep buying tickets. It's that same type of thing. If your reward is intermittent, you will tend to keep working at your goal until you get there. So that's an important concept when you're working with yourself or kids. And then with with kids and adults, it's a surprising thing to make your goal more exciting. So I, I thought about this too, and I thought, you know, one of the reasons I have problems with exercise is because getting up on my elliptical every day is is not exciting. I get bored. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That. And so, you know, I've added a few things. I listen to a podcast. I could listen to you or I could listen to, you know, my show or whatever and do something that would be more exciting. Or I can take up the national craze, which I'm thinking of doing, of pickleball as a way of getting out and getting uh, motivated. So it's got to be more fun. And you have to find fun ways and exciting ways to challenge you in that process. And I think what we miss the most when we're trying to reach a goal is what is the barrier? Like what is it we're missing that keeps us stuck all the time? 
And this is what I do with patients, you know, so you have this great intention. We all have these good intentions. We want to read our Bible more often. You know, we know that's important. So it's an important goal. Uh, But we don't have a lot of confidence to get there because we keep getting sidetracked. So what are the distractions? Uh, What is it I need to change in order for that goal to be better? Give you a really good example. I was working not with the Bible, but I was working with a woman who was having trouble with her drinking. And, uh, you know, she was getting really stuck. She just kept going back to the alcohol. And until I asked her, what really is getting in your way of accomplishing something that's so important to you, in addition to the fact that this changes the brain and it's a chronic brain disease? But I'm but other than that, I found out that she lived right next to an ABC liquor store. Mm. And so every time she would walk past the liquor store, her brain would get triggered to use. Well, that's a barrier. She either had to figure out a different way to get to her house or close the blind or figure out something that she could do to not see that liquor store to trigger her. So I think sometimes we have these, you know, we have these barriers like, you know, the kids need my attention or um, I don't wake up early enough to get it done because I'm so busy. So think about your goal and what is it that's getting in the way of you getting it done and then try to think of ways to overcome those barriers in order to set it up for success. Yeah. So based on the fact that I need to be in bed at, you know, eight, eight thirty, nine o'clock, if I'm going to get up at 4 a.m. in order to do my job well, um, I need to eat dinner before six or no later than six. Well, that doesn't really work super well for my family and so, like, right, the barrier, I I just choose to eat with them. And sometimes that's 7, 7.30. Um, and then I'm going straight to bed. Like, that's yeah. terrible. So well, there you go. So that would be a barrier, like, right? So I just need to eat when I'm making dinner and then just have a glass of water with them when they're eating dinner. Like, we're still going to sit down uh, at the table together. But I got to figure out how to do that because otherwise, you know, everything I'm having for dinner is just Mm-hmm. Yeah, or a light snack or something that you could do, you know, some compromise in there where you feel like you're participating, but you're not yeah. doing the heavy load right before you exactly. go to sleep it affects your sleep as well. So, yeah, that's the th- that's the key to it is really what are those barriers and what kind of change can I make around those barriers to make sure that I'm successful to reach that goal? And that's where people get tripped up. They're really not thinking through really what gets in my way. Because we all have good intentions and we all want these things and we know to to work and we know that, you know, a high, high percentage of goal setting never makes it to the actual (laughs) success level. So we want to make sure that we're setting up for success. So that's the key. Maybe talk it out with a friend and say, what are your ideas? But the ideas have to work for you. So having other people always tell you, well, do this, do that. You can do this. You can just see it on the face of someone when they're going, yeah, that won't work for me. (laughs) So you have to come up with something that works that you feel good about. Totally 100%. I I 100% agree with that. All right. um, Thank you so much. And if you lived closer, I would totally play pickleball with you. (laughs) Oh, I want to learn. It looks like fun. So, oh gosh, really fun. Yeah. Especially if you're competitive. Yeah. I, I, that's a, I would highly recommend that. All right. Um, Linda, as always, thank you so much. You guys need to catch Dr. Linda Mental on her show, the Dr. Linda Mental show here on the Faith Radio Network. You can um, find times and actually just go ahead and subscribe to the podcast, myfaithradio.com. You can also find her at drlindamental.com. Linda, as always, thank you so much. Have a great week. You too. We're going to um, take a moment with John Stone Street and the Colson Center's Breakpoint. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. 
Fly me to the moon. Let me play among the stars. All right, I'm going to ask Paul to get the drum roll ready. So strong in battle, uh, we've been telling you about the online study. We've been inviting you to sign up. That sign-up window is closing, so we want you to register today at MyFaithRadio.com for the strong in battle online study. And he already did the drum roll. Susie Larson is going to join us next to talk about it, um, what it means to live strong in battle, and why the humble will prevail. Yep, Susie Larson up next here on Mornings with Carmen. Your battle is real, but Jesus has won the war. Susie Larson is joining us. The book is Strong in Battle, Why the Humble Will Prevail. You can find Susie here on the Faith Radio Network. You can also find her at SusieLarson.com. Hello, my sister. Hello, my dear. How are you? I am I am well. I am thrilled for the release of this beautiful, important book, Strong in Battle. We've loved inviting people to um, go ahead and register for the online study of the book. And so let me remind you, go ahead to, and go to MyFaithRadio.com and sign up to participate um, talk with us about like where this comes from. Um, who was on your heart as you wrote Strong in Battle? You know, I think, well, my battles have really compelled mm-hmm. me to grab a hold of Scripture and get a hold of, of the character and the heart of God and, and really continually realigning my thoughts and my heart with Scripture versus the things that I was fighting. And what I learned, Carmen, is that there are many, many, many uh, that are feeling the same way, feeling isolated in their battle. And, you know, that's what the enemy wants. He wants us kind of isolated so he can kind of pick us off. And I, I think really a great example of refusing to allow that to happen is if you think of David facing off with Goliath, you know, it's, you know, all of Saul's warriors were cowering as this giant is spewing these threats. And this teenage boy remembered the faithfulness of God when he fought the bear and the lion. And so when he came out and the giant is spewing these very personal threats against him, he didn't take it personal. He said, who is this Philistine that dares defy the armies of the living God? So one of the things I wanted to do is to to help us understand uh, what a liar the enemy is and how big God is. Because when you stay in rank, when you realize when the enemy comes against you, he's coming against me too. We are in this together. And, and the arrows that are intended to be personal, if we can put our shield up and say, not today and not tomorrow either, I'm going to remember who I am. I'm a child of God. And my God is going to ensure that I'm going to overcome. There's something that happens where I, I guess one of the things I want to do is help us get through our battles with the least amount of collateral damage and with mm. a greater sense of who God is on the other side of the battle. Hey, I'm not going to wait to tell you that we have books to give away. So go ahead. Oh, and yay. Text- I know. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so go ahead and text the word book to 877-933-2484. Strong in battle. Um, you're going to need a book for the online um, study that we're doing. Uh, the, the study is free and there will be little excerpts available to you. But in order to have the entire book, we want you to go ahead and um, text the word book to 877-933-2484 for, uh, to enter the drawing for the copies we have to give away today. Um, Susie, why am I facing attack? I mean, hasn't, hasn't Jesus already fought and defeated the enemy? Why does God allow the enemy to attack me? 
You know, one of the things in the Old Testament says he left giants in the land to teach Israelites how to fight. But I will even zoom in a little closer. The reason you're facing an attack is because if you are in Christ, you know, you got a call on your life and you got a target on your back. An enemy hates you. God loves you. And he's positioned you to be on the earth for such a time as this. But the thing is, I think it's super important to, to really note is that there are times we give the enemy legal access to our lives. Now, this isn't to say every battle that you walk through is your fault, but there are times where we leave the doors and the windows open. And let me just explain what I mean by that. James 4, 7 says, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. And I so often hear that passage quoted out of context. If someone's under fire, just resist the devil, you know, but that doesn't work that way. Submit to God is a military term, and it means to get back in rank. In other words, if the enemy finds legal right, he's going to take it. Watchman Nee once wrote, if, you don't, if you're not under authority, you have no authority. And so how do we get out of rank to the point where the enemy says, I see an opening, I'm taking it? Well, there's just a plethora of ways, but maybe usurping the authority that God has put you under. Maybe it's harboring bitterness or jealousy or a grudge, allowing things in your heart that don't belong there. And I feel like there needs to be a, a fear of God needs to make a comeback. I think hope needs to come, make a comeback. Faith, love, they all need to, but a, a reverent honor of God, because I think too many Christians are walking around with attitudes in their hearts and thinking nothing of it, holding a grudge for years or willfully disobeying God over here, but then worshiping him over here. And we wonder why we are under attack. Now, there are times where my, my friend Maria, she's one of my prayer warriors. She says, if you're under a fire, you first ask the Lord, you know, is there any reason, any legal right the enemy has to do this? And she says, if he shows you then repent and then roar. But if he doesn't show you anything, just roar <laughs> because there's times he's coming after you because you're a threat to him. So, But my practice has always been for many, many years to pray Psalm 139. Search me, God. Know my heart. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me in your everlasting way. And if the Lord shows me something, I do exactly as my friend said. I repent and then I roar. And uh, I think it's just so important. I, th I imagine what would happen in the body of Christ if we all buttoned it up a little bit. We shut the windows and the doors to the enemy and said, now let me hear you, God. What do you want to do with my life? Mm. I love that you um, refer to Maria as a prayer warrior. Can you explain mm -hmm. that to people in case that's just not something they, they even understand? Wow, thank you for asking that. Yeah, you know, I've got some key women in my life who are a fiery praying women. And the thing is, you know, up until this most recent uh, relapse of health for me, health challenges, I mean, I've got a couple of mentor women who pray like wild women, and, and I do too. And Kevin, and I have a pretty active prayer life. But I had a pretty serious health relapse about seven years ago, and it really culminated about a year ago. And I, I, I think I said this on your show, Carmen, but I, I said to the Lord, you either have to kill me or heal me because I don't have the mm -hmm. mental bandwidth to keep sorting through this. I, you know, I was that person, like in the psalmist, David, in Psalm 18, that the enemy confronted me when I was at my weakest. You know, he, he attacked me on a day where he was too strong for me, but I cried out to the Lord, and my cry reached his ears. And then the Lord comes down. And so what happened at that point when I'm crying out to God is he mobilized some other women that are good friends of women that I know, so they were trusted women, and God brought them in close to my life to say, the Lord has put you on our hearts. We are to march with you until you're healed, until you've gotten some kind of breakthrough. And these women, <clears throat> I'm telling you, Carmen, have changed. 
because in the last six, seven months, I've met my match with these women where they hear from the Lord. They walk seriously with him and they're not messing around. And I'm also part of this little prayer group. We Zoom every Wednesday morning and we go after it with each other, with the Lord. And uh, I'm saying that to say none of these women are gossips. None of these women are petty. None of these women are going to kind of cast a little bit of a slur here or there. They fear God. And I'm not saying any of us are perfect. But we are taking serious the times, the Lord we serve, and his word. And I'm telling you, when we come together, things change. And I've been saying on my show, uh, probably for the last two years, I'm just saying, you know, we are going to come through this um, season. It's of so much trauma and loss. The church needs to be a praying church again. And I suggest we form some, like, almost underground prayer movements where you've got people who are just as fiery as you are. Now, they may not be your best friends right now. They may just be the people that you respect or walk with God. But you know that when we're together, when we're not isolated, we get, you know, when we are isolated, the enemy goes after us, especially. But when we come together and go, together, we're fighting for our families. Together, we're fighting for our marriages or our community. I'm telling you, Carmen, things start to change. So a prayer warrior is someone who takes seriously the call of God in their life, who takes seriously God's word, and who trusts the Lord to do what he says. And I'm I'm telling you, as we are praying together, we are seeing specific and tangible answers to prayer. So nothing else matters in my life more than getting with other of God's people and appealing to the God of heaven for his kingdom to come on earth. In the name of Jesus, amen. <laughs> amen. Hey, I want to read a, um, a text that just came in. First of all, lots of texts this morning for the book. So just a reminder, we are giving away copies of Strong in Battle, Why, Why the Humble Will Prevail by Susie Larson. You want to text the word book to 877-933-2484. Annie has texted in. She says, I'm streaming you online from Cleveland, Ohio. I love Susie and Carmen too. Susie's mm. new book has really been helping me through a difficult time. During my quiet time this morning, I really felt the presence and comfort of God to the point of tears. Thank you, Susie. I really want to be a part of the upcoming um, Bible study. Um, Not sure if I'm going to be successful signing up. Well, Annie, don't don't question that. Just go to MyFaithRadio.com right now and be successful in signing up. There you go. It's that that easy. We would love um, for you to be included. Susie, um, one of the things that, uh, that I appreciate that you say, and you say it in the book, but I have heard you say it. Um, you know, like live and in person as well. What you believe determines how well you'll fight. Talk with us about the connection between like how we understand God and how we revere God and how we fight and how well we fight. Well, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And all you have to do, Carmen, is look on social media to see that many Christians are fighting in the flesh. But the thing Mm. is, even if your cause is righteous, if you've let go of love, you've lost your way and you're adding to the noise. So even if you feel like you're on the right side of the fight, but you have bitterness, you have anger, you know, I mean, when I think of issues like slavery and human trafficking and anything like that, a righteous indignation rises up within me. But if that righteous indignation turns into rage, Age and anger and bitterness where I can't see anything good in anybody. Or let's even bring it on the political sphere because you're a, you navigate that so well. If you're thinking of the people who vote differently than you and all you feel is bitterness, if you kind of get slits in your eyes when they come on TV and you assume everything they say and do is wrong and everything you say and do is right, your heart's in the wrong place. And the thing is, we serve 
God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of the Word. And when we humble ourselves before God to say, okay, I, I, I disagree with this person, and I think their policies are very dangerous, but Lord, I want to care more about the lostness of their soul than I do the policies that are impacting me, because Jesus came to seek and save the lost and to destroy the works of the enemy. So I think it's one sure kind of indicator of where your heart is. And the prayer of the righteous accomplish great and powerful things. The Word of God is living, active, energizing, and activating on the earth. But I would submit to you, to the degree that we fear God and to the degree that we guard our hearts because we want our prayers to move heaven and earth will be the places where you're going to see God's power and kingdom move. We can't fight in our own strength. In fact, I feel like if it's okay, and you interrupt me if you need to, but I feel like there's a passage that I've unpacked numerous times in different spheres, but I feel like it might be for somebody today. Psalm 4610, maybe you've heard it, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted on the earth. Another translation is cease striving and know that I am God. I will be exalted. Well, we often hear that passage in it with beautiful music in the background with a serene picture, you know, framed. But if you read the whole chapter, it's about the nations are thundering and in chaos. And over all of the chaos, God's voice thunders. You, you be still. Now, be still and cease striving means several things. And I'm speaking to the person today who maybe is white knuckling because you're looking more at the bad news and it seems more true and powerful than the good news. This is what be still and cease striving means. To let go, sink down, relax, and in some cases be quiet. Now, for the hyper-responsible person, to let go seems irresponsible, but you're not just letting go to something into the atmosphere. You're, you're transacting. You're giving it to the Lord God Almighty. And the Bible says his plans will stand firm. His plans are established in the heavens, and he will have his way. So you let go. Then you sink down into the Father's love. And the, the Scripture calls us to know this love, though it's to, too great to fully understand it. But when we, the more we know this love is to be filled with the fullness of God. So first you're handing it over, so you quit white-knuckling. You let go, you sink down, you even relax. Do you know it's possible, and I say this in the book, for God to restore your soul while the nations are in chaos? That's another indicator that you're walking intimately with God, that you know how to access peace and rest while the nations are in chaos. So you let go, sink down, relax, and then be quiet is for those who are spewing things like their worries and their fears and their angst. It's bad for your soul, and it's sowing bad seeds all around you. So sometimes it's better to stop. To, you know, if you can't say anything biblical and redemptive, maybe just stop talking and be quiet. So let go, sink down, relax, be quiet. And then the word know that he is God. The word know is encounter God experientially. So let's say your stress is finances or the culture or whatever it is. In the very places where you're tempted to strive in your own strength, you decide, I'm going to encounter God intimately. I'm going to encounter God here and know him as my provider, as my defender. I'm going to encounter God as the one who revives whole communities, who revives nations. And when you start to get to that place of peace and rest and assurance, you know you're kind of in that sweet spot. And to me, when you start praying from that place, you will see the God of heaven move in a way that only he can. Mm. You're listening to Susie Larson. We're talking about her new book, Strong in Battle, Why the Humble Will Prevail. We're going to continue this conversation in just a moment. If you'd like to enter the drawing for the copies of the book we're giving away, text the word book to 877-933-2484. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen. As you know, this is a rebroadcast of the live radio show carried on the Faith Radio Network. There's a lot going on at Faith Radio Tons of free resources just waiting for you and for you to share with others at MyFaithRadio.com. 
Facebook.com. How does that all happen? Well, it happens through listener support. So Faith Radio, Mornings with Carmen, all available because of listener support from listeners, well, just like you. If you're a supporter, thank you so very much. If you'd like to become a supporter today, just visit MyFaithRadio.com. And again, thanks for being a part of what we do every day at Mornings with Carmen. The battle is the Lord's. Take courage in the fight. The weapons of this war, our praise is left high. Continuing our conversation with Susie Larson, you can find her here on the Faith Radio Network in the afternoons on Susie Larson Live. Um, you can also find her at SusieLarson.com. We're talking about her brand new book, Strong in Battle, Why the Humble Will Prevail. You should sign up for our free online course at MyFaithRadio.com. That um, sign-up window is closing pretty soon because the course begins on September the 6th. So go ahead and do that today so you don't miss out. We're also giving away copies of the book today. You can text the word book to 877-933-2484. Um, Susie, I would like for you to, um, well, I have like 16 questions, so we can't do them all. Um, <laughs> let's do this. Let's do this. What does it mean to contend for the promises of God? That's a great question. You know, there was a time, and if some who've read my stuff, maybe you've heard this story, so feel free to take a nap while I share this story. But when I was a, a young mom and battling the, the first onslaught of Lyme disease, and, you know, I didn't have a, a strong kind of evangelical, I mean, a great family, but I just, I was raised in a denomination where I knew God was real, but I really didn't know the gospel or that Jesus was accessible. So even as a young mom, I was still pretty new in my faith. So when all hell seemed to break loose on my life and my friends seemed to have and possess the things so easily that I just didn't have, where finances were upside down, my health was upside down, and they felt good. They were taking vacations, and the contrast of our lives was so stark. I'm like, Did, am I a have-not, or what happened here? And, and in the middle of that battle, God seemed so silent. What I didn't know was God was forging a faith in me based solely on his word and not on my circumstances, you know. But there was a point where, uh, you know, we were on the verge of losing our home because of medical debt. We didn't, but we were hanging on. We were three months behind, I remember. And uh, and the mortgage company called. And, it, you know, here I've got a numb face. I was constantly battling vertigo and dizziness. My arms would go numb. Three little boys who were a party waiting to happen and a husband working three jobs just trying to get us through it all. And I, I hated it. It was so hard. And, and they called her like, are you going to be, you know, be able to make this payment? And I was just, I was so beside myself with fear. And I felt the anxiety surge in me. And the Lord just confronted me, broke through the silence. And he said, Susie, are you a believer because uh, you've secured your eternity and that's it? Or do you actually believe this stuff? I mean, mm -hmm. is there a time where you're going to shift your weight onto the promises to see if they hold? And I realized, and he said, what, every time you turn your back on fear or on faith to behold fear, you're turning your back on faith. You can only behold one of those things at a time. So either turn your back on fear and behold my promises or not. And I was challenged and I realized, you know, I, I had nobody who could do that for me. I had to get in scripture and, and I remembered the word of God is living and breathing. 
And, you know, there were passages like, I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Uh, Psalm 139.5, you both proceed and follow me. You place your hand a blessing upon my head. You know, one of the things my friend Maria that I referred to, she said, unless you believe with all of your heart that God's goodness and mercy are chasing after you, if you don't believe that, if that doesn't even feel true to you, it means something in you needs to be healed and something in your thinking needs to be realigned. And so even as a seasoned believer, Carmen, after walking through this last stretch of battles health-wise, I drifted. I mean, I loved God. I worshiped him. I'm serious about my faith, but deep in my soul, I have to be honest and tell you, I didn't believe goodness and mercy. I really still had some of that have-not mentality. But I really learned that the only haves and have-nots in the kingdom are those who have faith and those who don't. And it's not to say you dictate to God or you claim an outcome, but you tether yourself to a good God whose plans will be established. And as they say, if your story's not good yet, it's because God's not done yet. But getting back to that place where you go... His promises are true. They're living and breathing. I'm going to camp on them. Outcomes are in his hands. But for me, I'm going to have faith. And as for my household, we're going to serve and believe the Lord. I'm telling you, there's something so powerful about his word. And and being assured of his goodness is so good for your heart. In the end, you're going to be glad you trusted him because he is who he says he is. Mm, I love that. I love that. Okay, we have like uh, we have like two minutes left. And I um I would like for you to tell us, like, how would my life or my relationships or my battle be different if I could see the end from the beginning? You know, our confidence in God would soar. I mean, you think about Mm. what we, I often say, we're more spiritual than physical. You know, you think about when the servant was so concerned about the army that was surrounding Elijah, and he's like, Lord, open his eyes. He didn't even need to see, but he wanted his servant to see that greater were those who were for them than those who were against them. The the heavens were lined with chariots, you know, and you think about, he's the same God today. We are flanked with angels. We have the promise of God written over us, the spirit of God within us, and if we could just spend time pondering the greatness and the majesty of God. I mean, I was sitting with Psalm 33 this morning. He merely spoke and the heavens came to be. And that's why I say it is important to understand what's going on in the world. But I think if you're, if you're beholding the bad news to the point where it seems more weighty than the good news, it's time to maybe impose a fast on yourself and start to marvel at his goodness because faith will rise up as you start to magnify the Lord and exalt his name. Strength will rise up and you'll start to have a different perspective on your battles. And lastly, just it is so important that we rightly interpret our battles in light of eternity. Every trial Every, even every blessing is packed with eternal implications. And here's where you trust him. When we see him face to face, your faith will become sight. But here and now is where you trust him. Mm, I love that. So many folks texting in. Um, some already have the book and are looking forward to the study. So thank you all so much. If you haven't already done so, please text the word book to 877-933-2484 to enter the drawing For the copies of Strong in Battle we have to give away today and certainly sign up for the free online study with Susie. You're going to do that at MyFaithRadio.com. Susie, thank you so much. Um, Thank you for the book. Thank you for the conversation. Thank you for your friendship. I just, um, I couldn't love you more. So thank you. I feel the same about you, my dear. Thank you for all you do every single morning. Likewise. Likewise. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LeBurge and this is Faith Radio. This is 
Why don't you make a list of affirmations today, things that um, are core to your faith, good reminders today of of truth, of the foundation upon which you stand, of the reliability of God and his goodness, his faithfulness to all generations, um, the way that he is seeing you right now. Like, right, maybe just spend a little time making your own creedal statement. You know, I, I believe these things. I hold these truths to be not only self-evident, but revealed by God. I, I know these um, these facts of the faith. I know who Christ is. I I affirm these things about God. Maybe we need to be strengthened today by affirming what we believe. So what do you believe, my friend? Do you do you believe that we're engaged in a battle that's that's ultimately been won by Christ, but that we have the opportunity to fight against the enemy right now to advance the kingdom in this generation, to stand firm, and when we've done everything else, still to stand? Yeah, I believe that Jesus Christ is going to return one day in power and glory. The promise of his coming in the future encourages me in the present. So make a list today or make a little creedal statement of your own today. These things I believe. And then remind yourself of those when you are in times of struggle or doubt. Thank you so much for including me in your day. We'll see you right back here tomorrow. Have a great day and God bless. Thanks for listening to this podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBurge from Faith Radio. If you haven't, you can subscribe to automatically receive the podcast through iTunes or the Google Play Music app. That way you never miss an episode. It's also available anytime at MyFaithRadio.com.